Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Looking to get out of the ads and back to the story? Fable and Folly Plus is a new way to support the creators you love. The podcast you're listening to right now and more than 60 others can be heard ad-free for as little as $4 a month by visiting fableandfolly.com slash plus. And now, Fall of the House of Sunshine is offering episode commentary to Fable and Folly Plus supporters, still entirely ad-free. Fable and Folly Plus. Sign up today at fableandfolly.com slash plus. In this world, there are more stories than points in a cricket test match. Some are stumped, some are bold, and some are after a tea break, but all are worth the wicket. So, open your popping crease wide and listen. Welcome to Brushtown Stories, Episode 8, Being the Grand Cuspid. The Grand Cuspid wakes up two minutes before her alarm goes off. She pats the left side of the bed where Doug used to sleep. She's getting used to being alone. She's been inching closer and closer to sleeping in the center of the bed. She still misses the rhythmic hum of his CPAP machine, but she's getting used to the quiet. Sometimes she'll keep the TV on at a low volume because it helps distract her to sleep. She walks over and presses a finger to the picture of the Urtooth on her wall. Praise be to teeth, she whispers. She gets out her blue and gray tracksuit. She doesn't like wearing shorts anymore. She becomes self-conscious about her legs. She's not sure why. As soon as she's through the front door, she starts jogging. It's been the same loop around town for years now. She jogs along the train tracks until she hits New Molar Station, though the train line has been defunct since she was a little girl. Mostly it was used to transport paste from the paste distillery to the tube plant, but then they moved all the toothpaste manufacturing overseas. She jogs through downtown, past Village Pizza, past Abernathy's Pharmacy. There used to be a floss shop at the corner. It's where her father worked. Floss used to be an art. She'd sit and watch the way her father would spin the floss and tighten it, his eyes getting worse and worse until he couldn't work the waxer anymore. But that was years ago. She and Doug used to walk by the shop when it was abandoned. Kids would go there to make out or drink, and the walls were scrawled with all sorts of graffiti. A tooth with an arrow through it, and initials inside carved by young couples so full of dentine and lister. But love is like baby teeth. Too often it seems so hard and permanent, but it falls out and is lost far too soon. But then the whole building was torn down. A thousand illicit declarations of love. Gone. At the time she hated the graffiti, but now she sort of missed it. She wished she could tell Doug about it. But she pushes it all from her mind as she keeps jogging down the road. Next... Through the parking lot of the bank in down Tongue's way. She likes New Molar in the early morning. It's quiet, it's easy. When she gets to the mouth of Torium, she waves to Mitch, the night watchman, heading home for the day. Then she ends up at the cemetery, the favorite part of her jog. 
The cemetery is like a tree, she thinks. It has rings. It ages from the inside out. The graves spiral from the center mausoleum to the newest outer ring. She passes by Doug's grave, and some mornings it hits her that she'll be there one day, too. But for now, the thought is, eternal rest can wait. Soon, the dates on the graves get older and older. Soon, she gets to the oldest section, the center ring. The great mausoleums of the most important families. The McMenamins, the Sunshines, the Abernathys, the Brills. She does a loop around the McMenamin tomb and down the shrub line path. Then she reaches her favorite place in the cemetery. The monument to Bernard Glouch, who in the early 1900s spent his life traveling around the world looking for dentite artifacts. The crypt under the monument is empty as his body was lost at sea, but the giant bronze toothpick was always so pretty. There were a few extra shiny patches because the local kids would rub the toothpick for luck before finals. She remembered taking Kevin there before the SATs. She jogged out of the cemetery and back along the main road. Looming in front of her is the new Molar City Hall. Just looking at it gave her a knot in her stomach. Her term was half over, and there was still so much she hoped to accomplish. And the other members were always... She bit her bottom lip in frustration. She was worried the high incisor was going to bring up his dumb super floss idea again. She sighed. The whole council was devolving into their own agendas. Loyal canine had become obsessed with starting a website selling t-shirts. He read some article about web commerce, and now he thinks he's Bill Computer, or whoever started the whole thing. She circled back, and before long, she's at the front door, stopping to adjust the house number, which keeps tilting to one side. Inside, she stopped in the living room to pick up a stray sock. She's sick of Kevin sleeping until noon. She's wanted to get him back on track, maybe have him volunteer with cavity-prone youths or help teach the lacrosse team since Dr. Jim retired, or maybe go back to college. Maybe. Now he just sleeps and makes a mess, and that corn club? She didn't even understand how it worked. He tried to explain it. A bunch of young men get together with cobs of corn and then smack each other with them. This was the future of New Molar? At least he's getting out of the house. It's better than when he was playing that video game where the crab tries to get all the baskets, or was it a lobster? She tried to play it, but there were just too many buttons. She remembered being listless, too, but back then there were so many fewer options. When she was born, women weren't even allowed to serve on the Enamel Council. The first woman elected to the position of loyal canine had to wear a fake mustache because of the facial hair bylaw. She remembered when her older brother was drafted and left to go fight. Him and his six friends, four came back. And when they came back, he was different. As she showers, she's angry at herself for forgetting to get more shampoo. She squeezed and shook the bottle to get the last bit out. She wondered how often you're supposed to use shampoo. There was that story on the news that it didn't even do anything. She wondered if there was some weird shampoo group that was trying to get everyone to rub soap into their hair as some big prank. It's not far from what people say about dentites. About brushing your teeth.
But that's not a prank. That's that's important. That's the fate of the world. That's it, she decided. She's going to take Kevin to talk to Father Brill about doing more at Gumshrine. He should be an example. Yes, that will help. Right? She took a deep breath. <sighs> Council meeting tonight. She needed to pick up that red jacket from the dry cleaners. She hopes they got that stain out. Purging those who would go against the dentite cause can be messy business. She looked out the window and sighed. She can already hear the high incisor droning on about... <sighs> Remember to breathe. She's got to get back to that yoga class. She smiles. Just a week until that sidewalk sale. It was her favorite time of year. She loved making the drive out east just for the sale. There were no outlet malls like that in Indiana. She hoped that the blueware pots and pans would be on sale this year. If she can just hold out until the sale, everything will be all right. Brushtown Stories is a Roy Gold production. It was written by Jonathan Goldberg with music by David Origlieri. The grand cuspid is Jocelyn Koritsky. Find out more about the show and cast at podmusical.com. Find out more about the breadth and beauty of the world by cracking open an old and beloved book. How about Kenneth Graham's seminal The Wind in the Willows, which turns 110 years old next year, yet still feels so important and inspiring? But Mole stood a moment, held in thought, as one wakens suddenly from a beautiful dream who struggles to recall it, but can recapture nothing but a dim sense of the beauty in it, the beauty, till that too fades away in its turn, and the dreamer bitterly accepts the hard, cold waking and all its penalties. Thanks for listening, and have a suntabulous bicuspid of a day! The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.